Identity argument, very roughly the the uh, national identity argument is an argument according to which um, sort of shared nationhood, sharing a national identity, is necessary for or at least facilitates uh, egalitarian redistribution uh, in a welfare state. Um, and uh, uh, what I'll be doing is that uh, first I'm going to outline this argument in, a, in greater detail, and then I'm going to be um, thinking a bit more about uh, different understandings of nationhood that we might feed into the argument and then I'm going to consider various theoretical uh, explanations for why we should expect um, nationhood to promote uh, egalitarian justice uh, and then I'm going to look at some of the empirical studies that have been uh, done trying to test this hypothesis that uh, nationhood promotes uh, redistribution. Um, but first a bit more about the argument itself. So uh, the main idea that is, is that a shared national identity fosters social cohesion and hence provides the glue that holds society together and facilitates cooperation, intergroup relations and peaceful coexistence at the societal level. That's kind of the general gist of the argument. But I want to look at it, something more specific than that, namely I claim that's specifically about egalitarian justice and redistribution. So, in particular, national identity creates two aspects of social cohesion, namely generalized trust and solidarity, which uh, tend to facilitate the implementation of egalitarian redistribution. Um, now, these are two specific aspects of social cohesion that uh, political theorists who have uh, put forward this argument, have, have argued are particularly important as regards egalitarian redistribution. Uh, solidarity, I guess, is kind of uh, not so difficult to explain why that would impact egalitarian redistribution. The idea is that in order for people to be willing to re redistribute within the framework of a welfare state, they need to have some level of solidarity uh, uh, to be willing to, to, um, to benefit other people, in particular people who are worse off than, than they are. But also the idea is that uh, generalized trust tends to promote egalitarian uh, redistribution. Here the idea is generalized trust is uh, roughly trust in strangers. So it's trust in people you don't know. Um, and the idea is that in order for people to be willing to act on their solidaristic inclinations, they need to trust other people to all also comply with the requirements of justice. Right. So the idea is I'm not going to be willing to, to, to pay high taxes, for instance, uh, if I expect everyone else to be cheating on their taxes. Um, so I need to be able to trust other people in order to be willing to... It's not enough that I have uh, a sufficient level, level of solidarity. I also need other people uh, to trust other people to also comply uh, when they fill up their tax returns and so on. So these two aspects in particular are considered by uh, people who promote the national identity argument, these two aspects are considered particularly important for uh, egalitarian redistribution. They're kind of uh, social ties between people and society that need to obtain in order for us to have a robust welfare state. Um, and what national identity does 
according to this argument, is that it unifies citizens who differ in a great many other respects, including their ethnic, religious, cultural, gender, class, sexual, and political identities. So people differ in all sorts of respects. They need somehow to be unified over something. And, uh, and nationalists argue that what they need to be unified over, sort of at the, at the societal level, is that they need to share national identity. That's what generates these aspects of social cohesion that in turn makes it easier to, to redistribute. Uh, maybe I should say that, uh, and you kind of uh, said it, that I'm, I'm critical of this argument. I'm going to be outlining why I'm critical of the argument. So, but right now I'm just uh, outlining it and uh, trying to uh, sort of uh, inquire about what reasons the people who, who advance the argument think that we have to, to, to think that it's uh, that is plausible. Now, in particular, support for redistributive policies require that people, and this is a quote from, from David Muller, uh, who is one famous advocate of this argument, people, it requires that people identify with the beneficiaries of the redistribution and identification fostered by a sense of common national identity. Um, and obviously this, uh, this is not just a sort of theoretically interesting argument, it's also an argument that has implications for policy. Uh, so, you know, some people use this argument to uh, argue for restrictions on immigration and or at least impacting the composition of the immigrant group so it doesn't tend to disturb or undermine the national identity. Uh, and likewise, uh, uh, some political theorists have argued uh, that we should be promoting a particular national identity among citizens to ensure a citizen will be capable of sustaining democratic institutions and distributive justice. So it's kind of promoting within a society uh, a, a specific national identity. And of course, we can find all sorts of examples of this in policies. So in citizenship tests, uh, in national curriculum schools, in cultural canons, in national narratives, in historical monuments, in efforts to define national identities. You know, some countries are in the process of, of defining their national identity, in particular in, in response to immigration. Uh, and, and some countries come up with these lists of these are, are the values that are, are important in our particular country. Uh, and this, there was also a process uh, uh, sort of uh, to do so in, in Quebec, as we were talking about. Um, and in general, there are different kinds of nation-building policies to, to try to maintain or foster this sense of a common national identity. Uh, <clears throat> now, the national identity argument relies on a particular version of what I call the identity thesis. According to the identity thesis, sharing an identity tends to promote social cohesion. But the national identity argument is a specific version of that thesis uh, because it requires that the shared identity has to be a national identity. We might imagine other kinds of identities that we could fill into the national identity argument uh, other than, than a national identity. And, um, uh, indeed, when we look at uh, other political theorists, they will have other suggestions for such identities. So various liberals, including uh, John Rawls, 
argue that uh, sort of core liberal principles such as uh, basic liberties, uh, equality of opportunity, toleration and so on, as long as people tend to accept those principles, share those principles within society, that's sufficient to generate social cohesion at adequate levels for uh, egalitarian distribution and so on. Um, John Rawls actually spent quite a lot of time in his books uh, arguing that the liberals have done so as well. Republicans have their own version of that, uh, and multiculturalists sometimes argue that, um, uh, apart perhaps from certain liberal principles, we also need to share recognition of difference, uh, and that will tend to promote uh, social cohesion in society in, uh, as well. So uh, there are different versions of the identity thesis, and uh, nationalism has a particular version of it. So this is just really to say that um, it may be the case that the identity thesis is plausible even though nationalism isn't plausible. Right, that could be the case. Um, now nationalists will argue that these other alternative identities uh, won't work because uh, purely political conceptions such as liberalism cannot provide an identity thick enough to produce social cohesion at adequate levels. Right? So they will argue that we need uh, a pre-political identity uh, that includes cultural elements um, and we need to share that in order for uh, people to trust each other uh, sufficiently and, and uh, have adequate levels of solidarity. A political identity won't suffice. Um, so there are different. So, so uh, nationalists disagree internally about what we should think goes into a national identity, and I'm going to draw a distinction here between conservative and liberal nationalists. So, liberal nationalists, such as David Miller, uh, Will Kimnicka, and others, will argue that uh, national identities are not these sort of fixed uh, things; they're in a flux. Uh, change over time, policies that aim to promote such identities must respect certain basic liberal principles, that's kind of the liberalism and, and liberal nationalism. We need to respect certain liberal principles in our aim to promote uh, uh, the national identity, uh, such as freedom of conscience, uh, um, freedom of uh, expression, uh, anti-discrimination, and so on. National identities must be realistically accessible for immigrants. Um, so, for instance, liberal nationalists will typically say we can't have a particular religion as part of the national identity. Uh, that would, if that were the case, then our identity wouldn't be realistically accessible for immigrants. For instance, uh, immigrants uh, should contribute to the negotiation of the national identity, such that their traditions and values made with time embedded in the nation. Uh, the justification of national identities does not merely involve an appeal to tradition, but also to the arguments that used to motivate its elements and should be continuously exposed to rational scrutiny. So we can't just appeal to tradition when thinking about policies, we should also sort of expose them to rational scrutiny. And for liberal nationalists, then, the trick is to strike a balance between fostering an identity that's thick enough to generate substantial levels of solidarity, uh, but thin enough to encompass immigrants and other minorities, right? 
So it's kind of this balance between uh, making it uh, thin enough so that everyone in society can be a member in principle, but also thick enough so that there's actually enough unity in that identity to generate social cohesion at adequate levels. And this we should contrast with uh, conservative nationalism. So conservative nationalists are less inclined to insist on liberal principles in cases of conflict with traditions. Uh, they tend to have more encompassing ideas about national identity, so they may, for example, be quite willing to include a particular religion within the national identity. Um, they do tend to find immigration more troubling, where liberal nationalists will typically argue that immigration is uh, doesn't have to be uh, a problem with respect to the national identity, as long perhaps as we have policies to ensure that immigrants do become members of the nation. Um, where uh, conservative nationalists will tend to argue that this is more difficult. So, for example, Roger Scruton has put it this way, membership can be offered to strangers, but this is this privilege is a rare one, and the real price of community is sanctity, intolerance, exclusion, and a sense that life's meaning depends on obedience and also on vigilance against the other. Um, and finally, conservative nationalists tend to be somewhat skeptical of the merits of rational scrutiny of the national identity, or indeed of, of uh, rational political justification in general, giving tradition-based authority to the institutions in which it is embedded. So these are two different accounts of, um, of national identities, and of course it makes a difference whether we sort of feed one account or the other into the national identity argument, and of course uh, nationalists may disagree in all sorts of other ways also about what are the important aspects of the nation uh, as regards promoting uh, social cohesion. But what they have in common, at least, is that they think that um, some kind of pre-political identity is required that includes cultural elements and not just political uh, claims and institutions. So that's the national identity argument. Um, now I want to think about the question of why would we think that sharing a national identity may tend to promote trust and solidarity. And uh, if you look at the literature, I think there are at least uh, two different accounts of this. Um, and the first one I call the sympathy account, and it's, uh, I think, by far the most common one. And here the idea is that trust and solidarity rely on a shared identity that serves both to demarcate the we among whom solidarity will be practiced and to create their positive emotional dispositions towards members of the group required for trust and solidarity. Right. So the idea is, um, first we need to demarcate the group uh, and nationalists will often argue that liberals, for instance, have a hard time doing that. If liberals only say, well, uh, what we have in common in our in our society is that we have this common commitment to some basic liberal principles. That's not really going to demarcate the group because you know people in other countries may may be attached to those principles as well. So that's not in itself going to demarcate the group. Rather, nationalists argue we need a national identity to do that. And at the same time, sharing that national identity 
will create certain positive emotional attachments to other members of the group. Right. So it's a kind of psychological account. What sharing this identity does is that it, ge it generates certain positive attitudes to other people who also belong to the group. And uh, uh, so, but so, so why would we believe this to be the case? Well, sometimes nationalists refer to uh, social psychology, and there's this whole bunch of studies in social psychology uh, of in-group uh, bias, um, uh, where it turns out that uh, there's an in-group bias as regards, for example, monetary endowments, helping behavior, and trust. So people are, in general, more willing to give money to help out and to trust members of their in-group and members of their out-group. Um, and as I said, there's a bunch of studies of this, so just to give you one example, there's this uh, uh, example, uh, uh, this uh, study, early study, where uh, children were divided into two groups by some random process. Uh, one group was called red, the other group was called blue. And then these children were asked to distribute money between members of these two groups. And it turned out that there was a high degree of, of in-group bias in the distributions they came up with. Right? Um, and many other studies have, have been done of this, and there seems to be this in-group bias uh, going on. And uh, the way that uh, social psychologists explain this, they appeal to what's known as social identity theory according to which our uh, self-image and self-esteem in part depends on our identification with groups uh, and depend, and in particular our self-esteem depends on posi positively valuing the groups that we identify with. Um, and that's used in explanation of why we find such uh, in-group bias. Um, you can also see in these experiments that uh, sort of the bias may depend on whether the outgroup is experienced as a threat or not. It's possible to manipulate the level of bias by uh, sort of uh, presenting the outgroup as in some way threatening or not to the in-group. Um, so, but I think. Uh, Importantly, this, these studies don't really support uh, the national identity uh, argument because they don't pick out national identities as particularly important for in-group bias. Um, and indeed, if you look at some of these studies, it's remarkable how thin and arbitrary an identity can, an identity can be and still generate uh, a stronger solidarity and trust within the in-group. Um, there are a few studies that do sort of uh, look at national identities in particular, but they don't attempt to support the national identity thesis either. Um, so, and of course there are, other, as I said, there are other suggestions as to what kind of, of values we might share in a group from national identities, right? So, unless there's reason to think that national identities in particular are important for generating trust and solidarity, right, we would have no reason to accept uh, the national identity argument. 
So here's a different possible explanation of uh, why we might expect the national identity argument to be plausible or to hold, which I call the predictability account. And whereas the, uh, the, um, the sympathy account relies on this psychological mechanism, uh, the predictability account relies on, on this strategic conception of trust and a rational uh, mechanism. So here the idea is that trust presupposes low risks. We're not willing to trust other people unless the risks involved in doing so are sufficiently low, or at least sufficiently low compared to the expected benefits of doing so. Um, and so we need to be able to assess the risks of trusting other people uh, in order for, us, for it to be rational for us to trust them. And to assess the risk of trusting another person, that person's behavior needs to be predictable. And, and this is the final uh, stage of the argument, it's easier to predict the behavior of those who share our values. So it's just easier for us to predict the behavior of other people if they share our values, uh, which again will make it uh, rational for us to trust them. Uh, uh, right. So, um, but again, like the sympathy account, this account doesn't really single out national identities as particularly important for trust. Um, we could imagine other kinds of of values that we might share than national identities. And the argument doesn't really say, it, all it requires really is that we share values, not that we share national identities. Right? Um, so <coughs> this uh, account doesn't really pick out national identities as important for trust and solidarity either. Um, and I think these are the two main uh, explanations offered in the literature for why we should expect national identities to promote trust and solidarity. Uh, but let's now instead look at the, so these are kind of theoretical explanations, right? Let's instead look at the empirical studies that have been done uh, that try to test the national identity argument more directly. Before I look at them, I want to kind of decompose the relationship between um, between national identity and, and, and social cohesion a little bit so that we can look at the different elements in that relation and uh, think about how they might causally impact social cohesion. So I want to distinguish between the content of a national identity. We might think that the content of a national identity is important for its, its ability to generate trust and solidarity. Um, which also matters for how, uh, what we should think about some of the different studies that have been done uh, on this issue. So suppose, for instance, that we find that people in France um, uh, both uh, uh, identify strongly with being French and, um, and also have high levels of trust and solidarity. This is a hypothetical example. Um, let's suppose that were the case. Well, that wouldn't necessarily, and, and suppose that we find this in other countries too, that wouldn't necessarily support the national identity argument because uh, we don't know what it is that they feel attached to when they feel attached to France. Right. Suppose that what they feel attached to is the French Republican model. Well, that's a political conception. 
rather than a nationalist conception, right? So it wouldn't provide support for the national identity argument. Also, when we look at these studies, they look at different types of attitudes towards national identities, right? So we can take different types, of, we can have different types of attitude. So one attitude would be um, sort of feeling attached, um, thinking being French is important for who I am, for example, um, feeling French, that sort of thing. Another type of attitude would be pride, right? So I might be proud of being, this again is hypothetical of course, since I'm not French, um, I might be proud of being French, um, which is a different attitude, or then there's what some uh, theorists call um, uncritical patriotism, you know, I might support my nation right or wrong, which would be a different kind of attitude to take towards uh, a national identity. And it may make a difference which of these attitudes we look at, and these studies suggest that they don't completely correlate with each other. So, uh, suppose I feel attached to France, for instance, that doesn't necessarily make me proud of, of France. Indeed, I might be ashamed of being France, uh, French, uh, where uh, being ashamed of does require some kind of attachment to France, because if not, why would I be ashamed? Uh, I may feel attached uh, to France, and uh, but not uncritically support France. So these are different kind of attitudes, and uh, and uh, and so David Miller, for instance, argues that uh, the most important one of these attitudes, the one we should be looking for in in studies of uh, that test the national identity argument, is attachment. Pride may tend to correlate with certain other things, such as conservatism. Uh, so if we find that people who are, are proud of their country tend not to favor redistribution so much, that may not be because of their attachment to the country, but because pride tends to predict conservatism. Uh, another factor might be the strength of the attitude. Um, so the, the more strongly identified with being French, um, uh, the greater, the more trusting I am of co-nationals and the more solidarity I have with them. Well, at least we should, we might expect this to be the case uh, on the sympathy account, uh, because that kind of, it is based on, a, on an emotional attachment to other people. On the predictability account, it probably wouldn't matter whether the, the strength of my attachment, because it's just about knowing what other people's values are. It's not really about feeling attached. Um, and we might expect also the degree to which the national identity is shared to matter, because the idea is not just that I will trust other people, I'll trust my co-nationals, I'll have solidarity with them if I identify with the nation, I also need them to be part of that nation, right? So we might think the degree to which the national identity is shared is important, or perhaps instead that the degree to which the national identity is believed to be shared, right? Again, if we take the uh, the sympathy account, what matters for whether I will trust someone on that account isn't really whether that person is actually a co-national of mine, but whether I think that that person is a co-national of mine. Right. And there may be an important difference between the degree to which the national identity is shared and the degree to which it is believed to be shared. 
and we actually see this in, in surveys that uh, people tend to to uh, to get the uh, so in, in the United States, for instance, uh, people who think uh, that, for instance, uh, African Americans are not part of their in-group tend to overestimate the number of African Americans in the country. So there might be a difference between the degree to which the, the, the certain identity is shared and the degree to which people think it's shared, right? Okay. So. Um, so let's look at some of these studies that try to test the national identity area. So some studies look at the relation between the strengths of national identification and social cohesion. So for instance, uh, in a couple of studies uh, uh, found a negative correlation between pride in the nation and attitudes and actual redistribution as well as public goods provision. Right. So. Uh, so these were cross-national studies, um, but they kind of find it, found the opposite relation of what we would expect according to the national identity area. Um, but we might think, well, perhaps this is because it's the wrong attitude. This is, this is the relation between pride and solidarity. We might think that that's the wrong attitude to the, to the nation to be looking at. Um, in another study uh, uh, by Elizabeth Dismus, uh, she found that in the U.S., strong identifiers, people who identify strongly with being Americans, were more likely to feel obligated to give to charities and to help in crises. Uh, but weak identifiers, on the other hand, are more likely to hold that too little money is spent on welfare and African Americans. And, what, and her explanation of these patterns, as well as some other patterns, was that strong identifiers, uh, for strong identifiers, their identification does tend to impact um, certain aspects of solidarity. But there are also people who have this rather narrow conception of the in-group. Right? So, for them, prototypical Americans are white, Christians, uh, English-speaking, native-born, uh, which means that in terms of solidarity, their solidarity is also limited. Um, and so she argues that if, if we're trying to create solidarity, then national identification probably isn't, isn't the answer. Now, um, these studies don't really look at the content of the national identity. They look at, um, at uh, sort of the attitude taken towards it. But there are other studies that do distinguish between different conceptions of the nation. In particular, there are quite a lot of studies that, that look at uh, respectively ethnic and civic nationalism. So ethnic nationalism is typically um, is typi typically measured in terms of of uh, ancestry, or the, the extent to which people think ancestry is important for being a French, um, uh, Dane, uh, Canadian, whatever. Um, whereas uh, civic nationalism is about um, uh, thinking it's important to respect the laws and political institutions of the country. Um, 
and here there are quite a lot of studies, as I said, and sort of to paint a somewhat general picture here. Uh, so uh, a negative correlation is found between ethnic national identity and political trust, generalized trust, associational membership, volunteering, political and social tolerance, support for redistribution, and support for redistribution. Whereas a positive correlation has been found between civic national identity and political trust, generalized trust, associational membership, immigrants' sense of belonging to the country, political and social tolerance, and support for redistribution. Now kind of on a superficial reading of this we might think oh well perhaps this supports liberal nationalism but really it doesn't because the measure of, of, um, of civic nationalism used in these studies tends to be about um, thinking that it's important to respect the law and political institutions. And as I said, the national identity is something more than that. It's about cultural aspects of the nation. Um, also, sometimes uh, language goes into the uh, civic national identity. But again, um, uh, people who hold political conceptions of the values that are important might say language is important. So liberals, for instance, may argue that, well, you know, we have a, 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 a political community that requires that we're able to discuss political issues in the same or perhaps at most a couple of languages. So, um, so that would be important for, for these conceptions as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to skip this one. Um, so I also did a study uh, myself with some political science colleagues. Um, so it's a Danish study, came out in, uh, in uh, the European Political Science Review earlier this year. And uh, what we tried to do, so we weren't quite, um, uh, we wanted to have some conceptions of uh, values that were more precise than the ones we found in other studies, right? So we had uh, 24, 25 different value questions that we asked uh, respondents, uh, and on the basis of their answers to these questions, we classified them using indexes as conservative nationalists, liberal nationalists, multiculturalists, or liberals, based on their responses to these questions, to see whether we could find correlations with uh, trust and solidarity. And then we used uh, six measures of trust and solidarity. So we used uh, generalized trust, uh, trust in other Danes, trust in immigrants, uh, solidarity, uh, general solidarity, solidarity with the worse off, and solidarity with immigrants. Um, and then we also asked, because um, what many of these studies do, they look at uh, how strongly, for instance, do people identify with the nation, and then what the, how does that seem to correlate to their trust and solidarity. But actually, according to the national identity argument, what's important is not just identifying with the nation, it's also believing that other people uh, identify with the nation, right? That's the, that's the identity that's supposed to generate trust and solidarity between members of the group. So we also ask people, uh, about the extent to which they believed other people shared their values. Um, and what we found uh, regarding conservative nationalism and liberal nationalism was that uh, 
when we had control for socioeconomic background and uh, ideology, uh, self-placement on a left-right scale, uh, neither conservative nationalism nor liberal nationalism was positively correlated to any of our measures of trust and solidarity at, at significant levels, as we would have them expected to be uh, uh, according to the national identity argument. Right? Um, and in some cases, they were negatively correlated at significant levels. So both conservative and liberal nationalism were negatively correlated to trust in immigrants, and they were both um, negatively correlated to um, to solidarity with immigrants. And in the case of, of conservative nationalism, it was also negatively correlated to a solidarity with the worse off. But perhaps that's, uh, it's not too surprising that nationalism might be negatively correlated to, to trust in and solidarity with immigrants. What is perhaps worse from the perspective of the nationalists is that there, were, that there weren't any positive impacts of uh, being committed to the national identity and, um, and trust and solidarity in the case of, of people who clearly did belong to the group, namely in this case other things. Um, and then we also, as I said, we looked at um, did it make a difference whether people thought that um, that other people shared their values, and, the, and in general, it did. But it, but nevertheless, in a few cases, that uh, commitment did make a difference. So, um, conservative nationalists tended to have a bit more solidarity for the worse off if they also believed that other people shared their values. Uh, but the effect of, of, of believing that other people shared their values, the positive effect of that was smaller than the negative effect of conservative nationalism itself. Um, and just not because it's too important for present purposes, but let me just mention uh, what we found regarding uh, liberalism and multiculturalism as, as well. So liberals tended to be um, to have more trust in, in uh, immigrants and solidarity with immigrants.